morning to Psalm 119 and stand and read the word of the Lord with me, starting in verse 65. Psalm 119, 65. This is the word of the Lord to us this morning. You have dealt well with your servant, O Lord, according to your word. Teach me good discernment and knowledge, for I believe in your commandments. Before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I keep your word. You are good and do good. Teach me your statutes. The arrogant have forged a lie against me. With all my heart, I will observe your precepts. Their heart is covered with fat, but I delight in your law. It is good for me that I was afflicted that I may learn your statutes. The law of your mouth is better to me than thousands of gold and silver pieces. Lord, may we this morning value affliction, though that's not something our world values. In reality, our world pays millions of dollars to avoid affliction. Millions of dollars to avoid pain and suffering. But Lord, when you are with us, no matter what we go through, we can have joy and peace and contentment. And I pray, Lord, that today we would rejoice in your chastening and desire above all things to serve you with all of our hearts. Pray, Lord, you would give me clarity and wisdom in your word this morning and give us hearts to hear your word and to be doers of your word. We pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. So this message, this morning's message is called Advantageous Affliction. I was trying to think of a a good way of saying affliction, <laughs> a good uh, descriptive word to speak of affliction, and I felt like this was a, a good one. So, advantageous affliction. How many of you know people who will sign up for weeks upon weeks of torturous training? Because they want to do it. Do you, do you do that? Well, that's what most Army Rangers and Navy SEALs do. Right? They sign up for weeks and weeks of torturous training. Navy SEALs, 24 weeks. can't remember the Ranger School, but I'm sure it's a very similar amount of time. But in the fourth week, which is, hell, which is described as Hell Week... Because I guess on earth there's nothing worse than going through the fourth week of SEAL training. Um, your body is afflicted to so such an extreme that you're deprived of sleep. They do feed you decently, but you're deprived of sleep and your body is put through so many tests to see how you will react under pressure and how you will react when you're exhausted and cannot think 
clearly because of how tired you are. And of all entrants to the Navy SEAL school, only 25% survived the fourth week, approximately, of that training. And yet these men, all on week one, volunteered to be there. They wanted to be there. And same thing with Ranger School. Anyone in the armed forces can join Ranger School, but you have to survive. You have to make it through. Why? Why, why would these people endure this affliction? Because they want to be an elite trained SEAL or an elite Army Ranger. They're not there because they think that the Army's a fun place to be. They're not there because they just want to enjoy a little bit of exercise. If they want to enjoy exercise, they can go to Planet Fitness and there's a no judgment zone there and people can just do what they want. But in the military, there's no playing games because if somebody were to leave Navy SEAL training or Ranger training unprepared for their task ahead, then they would all fall apart. Because they are teams. They're not just one person going off as a lone ranger. They, are, they work together and they, their purpose as a team is to be victorious. And I think that oftentimes in the church, we forget this in the church. We forget that we are training to be soldiers. That's what it says in, in the Word, that we're to be soldiers for Christ. We have a battle ahead of us. The difference is our battle is not physical. It is a spiritual battle. And so why do you think the devil fights so hard against a love for God's Word, a love for the Lord, spiritual well-being, our prayer life? I mean, you, have, you can be bored out of your mind, but the moment you start praying, you suddenly think of 5,000 things you could be doing at that moment. Where do you think those thoughts come from? Right? The devil is fighting us because he knows that if we actually prepare and overcome in the midst of affliction, we will be trained soldiers. We will exit hell week, for example, or the 24-week BUDS training, which is what the SEALs is called. We could leave that 24-week training and be elite soldiers of Christ. Not in our own strength, but in the strength of Christ. Well, the psalmist has been through hell week in a way. And that's what he's talking about here under the Tet section, which is the name of this Hebrew letter, of Psalm 119. So it says in verse 65, You have dealt well with your servant. This sounds like a very good report. He hasn't dealt wickedly. He has dealt well with his servant. You would think this was the result of a, a good, easy week for most people. Yeah, the Lord has been good to me today, this week. Well, kind of like some of our testimonies. 
know, everything went well. But we find out in verse 67, he says, Before I was afflicted, I went astray. So, He's saying that God dealt well with him as his servant, one who is called to serve him in his service. You know, as Christians, we bear allegiance to Christ in his kingdom. We are not of this world. And so, as his servants, we are pledging our allegiance to him as our Lord and Savior, not one or the other. If He is not our Lord, He can't be our Savior. And if He's not our Savior, He cannot be our Lord. So if, if He is our leader, just like military individuals, they have to pledge allegiance to the flag and then, and then also they make a commitment to protect and serve the people of Whatever country it is, it's not just in the United States, but so they become servants of the people. Supposed to be. Some countries you have military coups where those people have forgotten why they were given military power and it was to serve. But since God is king and Lord of lords, we serve him. We are his military force, and as his elite military force, we are empowered by his Holy Spirit to serve him. But God knows what we need, and so he sends affliction. We can imagine that this is boot camp for Christians, right? Can you imagine if one of these SEAL trainers said, you know what, look, I know you've worked so hard. He just picked one of them. He says, you've worked so hard, and I can just see your determination, and, and though you're, you're failing in this one spot, I'm going to let you go ahead. Do you think there could be a problem in the future for that man or woman? Do you think his or her lack of Accomplishing whatever that task was could affect the lives of others? Yeah. And so that th person has to say, you either have to pass this or you're out. It, this, there's, no, there's no one way or another. So God sends affliction to Christians for the purpose of developing in us Faith in Him and proving and showing us that we need Him. Because oftentimes we get into the midst of affliction and we try everything in our own strength and we fail. Right? Because that's what He did in verse 67. He says, Before I was afflicted, I went astray. I was doing whatever I wanted, I did what I thought was good. But after he was afflicted, verse 67, so the result of affliction on the psalmist was that he now keeps the word of God. Because the affliction came, where did he run? Did he run to his own reserves? He ran to the Lord. He ran to the, Lord, the word of the Lord. 
You know, these, these elite training Navy SEALs, they, they have to draw on their own strength. And sometimes I'm sure they're having conversations with others who are encouraging them to keep, don't quit. You can make it. You can, you can get to the other side of this. But in the end, they, they have to draw on their character and their, their mental toughness and their strength, their training, their years of training. They didn't get into the Navy SEALs just because they were, you know, you know the guys sitting up here at the, the McDonald's slipping burgers. No, this guy, he was training, he was working hard, he wanted in the Navy SEALs, so he did everything that he could to prepare himself. As Christians, God prepares us through affliction. He uses testing and trials to do it. And you say, well, how do you know that? Well, look with me at Isaiah chapter 48. Isaiah 48. We're going to see here the obstinacy of the people of Israel. Isaiah is prophesying. He says, Hear this, O house of Jacob, who are named Israel, who came forth from the loins of Judah, who swear by the name of the Lord, and invoke the God of Israel, but not in truth nor in righteousness. He's saying these people, they say all the right things, but they're not following God in righteousness. For they call themselves after the holy city and lean on the God of Israel. The Lord of hosts is his name. I declared the former things long ago, and they went forth from my mouth, and I proclaimed them. Proclaimed them. Suddenly I acted, and they came to pass, because I know that you are obstinate, and your neck is an iron sinew. So he's saying the bones in your neck are like iron. <laughs> You're so stiff-necked that there's no hope for you. I mean, these are pretty tough people. Is it possible he's describing us? I don't know. Let's see. And your forehead is bronze, unpenetrable. Therefore I declared them to you long ago. Before they took place, I proclaimed them to you, so that you would not say, My idol has done them. And my graven image has, my molten image has commanded them. So, what is God saying? He's saying, look, I've told you these things are going to happen beforehand so that you can't say, well, my idol did that or whatever. You have heard, look at all this, and you will not declare it. I proclaim to you new things from this time, even hidden things which you have not known. They are created now and not long ago. And before today you have not heard them. So that you will not say, Behold, I knew them. You have not heard, you have not known. Even from long ago your ear has not been open. This does not sound like a very good report. Because I knew that you would deal very treacherously. And you have been called a rebel from birth. Isn't this... This is a description of mankind, right? Israel is just a picture of, of those who have come out of sin by God's grace. 
So verse 9, it says, For the sake of my name I delay my wrath, and for my praise I restrain it for you, in order not to cut you off. So if God was not gracious in delaying and restraining His wrath, they would be completely cut off. I can relate to that. So what does He do? Verse 10, He says, Behold, I have refined you, but not as silver. I have tested you in the furnace of affliction. God has exposed their weaknesses in the midst of affliction. So they don't rely on themselves. Why would he do this? It says in verse 11, For my own sake, for my own sake I will act. For how can my name be profaned and my glory I will not give to another? So God is putting them through affliction because He knows their weakness. He knows what it is that will cause them to fail. And He's putting them through affliction so that they will recognize and rely on Him. And this should be, this is a call to us. We're not, we're not the one afflicting. We are the one in need of affliction. And as my sermon title indicates it, it's advantageous to us. It is a blessing. Maybe I should have titled this Blessed Affliction. We should uh, write a hymn. I'm sure that would be a super popular one. Uh, By next year, everyone will be seeing it. Blessed Instead of Blessed Assurance, it's Blessed Affliction. (laughs) Um, Somehow, I don't feel like that would be extremely popular. But that doesn't mean we, we expect God to constantly afflict us. He loves us, but His affliction, the purpose of His affliction when it comes is to strengthen us, to expose our sins so that we can rely on Him. So that the pride of life and jealousy and, and all the things that we think we're good at will turn to Him and away from ourselves. And so... It's no wonder when the psalmist was afflicted, he was going astray, but the affliction pointed him to the Word of God. So the psalmist could say in verse 65, You have dealt well with your servant, O Lord, according to your Word. He had went to the Word and he found out how God dealt with his people. Proverbs 17, verse 3 says, The fining pot is for silver, and the furnace for gold, but the Lord trieth the hearts. God knows what's going on in here. Even when we don't even understand. I don't know if you've ever been in a place where you don't understand why you choose sin in that situation. At at the core. I have, and... God tries our hearts to expose those weaknesses, the root of our sin. So because the psalmist saw the word of the Lord at such high value in the midst of affliction, he then says in verse 66, he says, Teach me discernment. 
Oh, wait. Is that all he said? Teach me good discernment and knowledge. I believe this term, this word good, applies to both discernment and knowledge. Does that mean that there's a possibility that we could have bad discernment and bad knowledge? I think so. There's many people who claim to be Christians even who have terrible discernment. Megan was describing to me uh, last night a movie coming out based on a Francine Rivers book, which if you know some of her stuff, uh, this movie is kind of, uh, for lack of better words, risque. If you've read any of her stuff, she's, it's like a, it's like a romance, an extreme romance novel packaged as Christian. <clears throat> so, unfortunately, this movie, according to Megan, the, just the, um, the trailer is pretty sensual. And she's, she's saying, so, because it's packaged as, as Christian, all these women online are commenting, oh, this is going to be great, I can't wait for this to come out, and, and all these things, because we're not discerning by God's Word. We're not letting the Lord teach us discernment. We're, we're letting the, the world, oh, well, whoever the gatekeeper is for the Christian title, you know, on a book or a movie or, or even music, that since they're... They're so good at it, I don't need to discern. I'll just let them discern for me. We can't, as Christians, allow others to be our discernment. We each have a call to keep our eyes open. Just like these Navy SEALs and these Rangers, they're, they're trained to be attentive to detail. Oh, that's off. Why? Why do I see that boy running across the field over there? Maybe something's about to happen. Why do I see that? What's, what's that going on? Why are there animals running away from that area? Why is, why is there a sudden noise over there? Well, if this, if one of those elite trained special forces people didn't pay attention, what would happen? It could cost him and his team their lives. But they each have to be trained to pay attention, to be discerning. You know, if you talk to these many men who've come out of uh, ranger school or or SEAL training and have, have successfully completed and, and served in those positions, they're very observant people because it, their job requires it. But unfortunately in the church, we want to let other people do this discerning and us just enjoy whatever it is. And that's not the Christian call. God has called us all to be discerning. We need to be doers of the word and be hearers of the word and and let that be our guide instead of letting the world determine what is good and what is knowledge even. Because there is bad knowledge. You don't have to know everything on the earth. There are many things that I wish I didn't know. But as Christians, 
We need to be asking the Lord to teach us good discernment and knowledge because when affliction comes, we need to be able to discern what is the Lord and what is not the Lord. We need to be able to discern who our enemy is in the midst of affliction, what it is that's afflicting us. Because if we do not know who our enemy is, it's very easy to be taken captive, to be destroyed. This has become really evident in modern warfare where you have people posing as a friend, but in reality they're seeking to draw you astray, to put you in a position where you can be destroyed in modern actual warfare. This idea of guerrilla warfare and and um, you know double agents and all this kind of a, a an idea. So as Christians, we need to be discerning. We need to be led by the Holy Spirit and not and not just believing everything we say or someone says. Oh yeah, I'm, I said a prayer ten years ago. Okay, that's it. Are you walking with the Lord today? Are you fighting? Are you going through testing and trial? Are you coming out on the other side of the furnace of affliction that the Lord is bringing in victory? Is your knowledge of God increasing through affliction? Are you actually walking further and further away from the Lord when affliction comes? So why would the psalmist ask the Lord to teach him good discernment and knowledge? Why? Why wouldn't you ask someone else? Well, let's go to this wise man over here. Or this one over here. Or or that person. No. He's asking the Lord because the second part of verse 66 says, For I believe in your commandments. I believe you are true. I believe your words are true. And because of that, I know that I will get good discernment and knowledge from you and you alone. Can you imagine if in Navy SEAL class, or you're in that training and and you're just feeling like, I don't get this. What if you went to the worst recruit in your group and you said hey can you explain this to me do you think they would get good discernment and knowledge from that person no but what if they went to the trainer and said i'm struggling with it i don't i'm not sure i understand how this is working now i'm not sure how navy seal training goes but generally speaking i can't imagine a a trainer saying you know what you don't need to know that no they would Seek to help you, I would guess, so that you could be a better soldier, a better seal, a better ranger. But they have the information you need. They're they're not like the other people in your recruiting class. Unfortunately, in, in the church, we go to everyone but the Lord. Go to Aunt Aunt Jack, or not Aunt Jack. Uncle Jack over here and, and Aunt Sue and, you know, whomever it may be. 
And we, we think, well, that, that person will have the knowledge. No. The Lord is saying, come to me because I have truth. I am the object of truth. I am absolute. And you can find discernment and true knowledge in me. So we've seen that before he was afflicted, he was going astray and and that because of that affliction, he began to turn back to the Word of God. It's interesting, in this passage we have a description of God as good or doing well to the psalmist many times. Yet oftentimes when we go through affliction, how do we describe that affliction? Oh, that was awful. I can't believe the Lord made me do that or put me through that. How do we respond to affliction? Because in verse 68, the psalmist says, You are good and do good. You are good and do good. So even though he was afflicted of the Lord, he continued to realize that God was good and that God was doing good to him. Not just being good as God, but that God in his goodness was afflicting him. And say, I'm still not getting this affliction thing. I don't think this is right. Well, turn with me to Hebrews chapter 12. Starting in verse 3. For consider him who endured such hostility by sinners against himself, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. You have not yet resisted to the point of shedding blood in your striving against sin. And you have forgotten the exhortation which is addressed to you as sons. My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor faint when you are reproved by him. For those whom the Lord loves, he disciplines, and he scourges every son whom he receives. It is for discipline that you endure. God deals with you as with sons, for that son is there whom his father does not discipline. For what son is there, sorry, whom his father does not discipline? But if you are without discipline, of which all have become partakers, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Furthermore, we have earthly fathers to discipline us, and we respected them. Shall we not much rather be subject to the Father of spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time as seemed best to them. But he disciplines us for our good. Why? So that we may share his holiness. All discipline for the moment seems not to be joyful but sorrowful. But to those who have been trained by it, afterwards it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness. So in light of that, 
Strengthen the hands that are weak and the knees that are feeble and make straight paths for your feet so that the limb which is lame may not be put out of joint, but rather be healed. Don't give up. Yes, the Lord is afflicting you. Maybe some of you today who are listening, the Lord has afflicted you of late. But don't give up because He is with you. He is allowing this affliction for the moment. It is not to last forever. It's only to strengthen you. So don't give up. Strengthen that which is weak and keep fighting. Just like those Navy SEALs, they get to the extent of what they think they can do and they have to get to a point where they're like, okay, I can do this. There was a description of one of the events that they have to do. Super easy. Swim three laps. You know what the first lap is? Feet tied, hands free. Okay, not not too bad. Second lap, hands tied, feet free. Third lap, hands and feet tied. And you have to bob. And they start you at the deep end of the pool, at the bottom of the pool. And you have to do a whole lap. Hands and feet tied. You think those guys are appreciating that affliction in that moment? Wondering if it's possible they're thinking, what if I drown? What if this, what if this promise that it's going to work doesn't work? I mean, I've never tried to swim with my feet or hands tied much less both at the same time. Not that you can't do it, because they obviously do it. But you think that at some point in their training, let's say they get captured and they're tied up, and they're thrown into the sea, you think they appreciate that training at that moment? I bet they do. God knows what we're going to encounter in the future, and that's why He tests us with affliction. He knows what our future holds, and because He knows what the future holds, He's saying, stick with it now. Go forward now. Don't quit. Because the affliction that I'm bringing now is to strengthen you and prepare you for the future so that you can overcome and make it. That's what the Navy SEAL training or the Ranger training is all about. It's about preparing people, men more specifically, now they've allowed women to join as well, but it's specifically designed to allow these people and prepare these people to come back alive. To be victorious soldiers, not ones who are being killed at a constant rate. That doesn't mean that some of them don't die. Just as there are some Christians who they pay the the greatest price for following Christ. Just as our many brothers in, in China do today and elsewhere. 
When you serve the Lord, it's life and death. Like I can promise you, the value of serving the Lord is far above anything else that we can do. So can we say in the midst of affliction, God, you are good and you do good. And then respond, teach me your statutes. I want to know more of you. I, I pray that I can say that. Is our response to those who are fighting against us like the psalmist? When that affliction is someone else, like verse 69, let's say, the arrogant have forged a lie against me. Have you heard about these things called deep fakes? Have I described this to you? So, a deep fake is a, a digital image that has been um, corrupted so that it'll look like anyone. And it's so realistic looking, you would not know it's not that person. And so, there's this, these deep fakes are being used sometimes to try to criminalize someone. So they'll take surveillance photo uh, images, so even video they can do this with, and they'll they'll change the image enough to where it looks like, and they can essentially take that person's image and and put it on there and make it look like they're the one doing committing the crime, so that they can be thrown in jail. That's what I'm think. What I thought about when I read this passage. Can you imagine if someone decided to take your your image, Mr. Wazork, and and make it look like you robbed the, the bank downtown? We all know that's not true, but what if there was, I mean, solid looking, it didn't look like it was altered video uh, footage from multiple cameras that showed you walking into the bank, putting a, a hood over your head, and pulling out a gun. I mean, that's irrefutable evidence. I mean, it looks like you. Everything looked like you. Maybe they even had audio and they took your, your audio and, and put it on there. So somebody's trying to set you up. They're forging a lie against you. Would you respond as a psalmist? With all my heart, I will observe your precepts. What? (laughs) Is that how I respond when I have people speaking evil of me or saying things about me that aren't true? They say, I'm just going to, I don't care what they do or how they lie about me, I'm going to continue to follow the Lord. I'm going to continue to dig into His Word. I'm going to continue to be obedient to God because I know this is truth.
The heart of the psalmist is one that so loves the Lord that it doesn't matter what affliction comes, he will follow him. He will continue to follow God, not with some of his heart, but with all of his heart, with all of his being. He is going to observe the Lord's commands. He's going to love his neighbor. He's going to not speak evil of anyone. But the arrogant are are making fake lies about me. Well, God will deal with it because I know he's faithful. Could you imagine if a if a politician believed verse 69? When people are making accusations about them? I mean, you want to find out all the dirty secrets of somebody? Tell them to go run for office. Right? Because their enemies, the arrogant ones who want to defeat them, will suddenly send a private investigator to find out everything that happened to them since they were born. I mean, they're probably going to get a nurse at the, the, the birthing, the hospital, to testify that you screamed obscenities when you were born. Who knows? They're going to find something against you. But what if that person said, you know what? They can make up those lies, but I'm going to serve the Lord. I'm going to observe the precepts of God with all my heart. I don't need to act that way. I don't need to respond to those lies because God has told me to obey Him. I'm His servant. Remember Jesus said, they will persecute you because they hate me, not Necessarily because they hate you. They hate you because you serve Him. It says in verse 70, He goes on to describe what these arrogant ones are like. He says, Their heart is covered with fat. Or, this word covered is... Actually, their heart is gross like fat. It is just disgusting and, and corrupt. It's, use, it's so corrupt. And so they, they are extremely disgusting in heart. Their hearts are totally against God. And what does he say? Verse 70, again, But I delight in your law. I'm not... I'm not turning away because these men are so wicked and speaking lies about me. And again in verse 71 it says, It is good for me that I was afflicted. Is that what you're going to say on the way out this morning? Oh, it was so good that I was afflicted this morning. When you're at the gas station and that person cut you off to get into the one gas station pump at the Sam's gas pump where there's 10 people in line trying to get gas or Costco or or that perfect spot at the front at Walmart 
if you shop there anymore. Um, wherever you're at, Kroger, you know, there's everybody's parked all the way up back to the Kroger gas station, and you see one person leaving right in the middle at the front of the thing, and you're like, oh, yes, thank you, Lord. And then you get there, and oh, this person just pulled in right in front of me. I had my signal on and everything. Are you going to say, it was good for me that I was afflicted? Or the person that cuts you off on the road or almost causes an accident? Or It's easy to say, oh, it was good for me to, that I was afflicted until we actually apply it to real life. I mean, I can say that until I go to McDonald's and they give me a cold fry or they forget they don't even make my burger right or whatever that is. I think I typically go to the wine the wine mode instead of the the goodness. Oh, why do I have to be afflicted? It's so awful. Like Hebrew says, in the moment it doesn't feel good, but it's good to be afflicted. It is, as I've titled, advantageous to be afflicted. It is to our advantage as believers that the Lord afflicts us. Remember King David when he sinned by numbering the people? And even Joab, who was an unscrupulous fellow in the first place, he knew that was wrong and he refused to number the people of Levi. But God, in his judgment, because he told them not to to, to number the people, he came to David and said, you were wrong, you should not have done that. And so I'm going to give you some choices. And one was to be afflicted by his enemies and one was to be afflicted by the Lord. Which one did... David choose. There was another one. I can't remember what the other one was, but he chose to be afflicted of the Lord. Why? Because he said, I know the mercy of God, and perhaps he will relent. God's affliction is for our good. Even in the case of David, he was being afflicted for a sin that he had committed. But God was gracious. God afflicts for our good, not for our detriment or for us to fail. And guess what? When He afflicts and we come out on top, who gets the glory? Not us, because everybody knows we would be whining in our own strength. But He does. The Lord does. You know what? I thought it was over. But God was gracious to me. God gave me strength in the midst of that trial. Again, his affliction was good for him because, again, he says in verse 71, it's essentially a repetition of verse 67. He says, that I may learn your statutes. The affliction made me run to your word, and it made me learn your statutes. And now, what's the reward? 
What is the value that he has for that? He says in verse 72, the law of your mouth, the law, the words, the very words of your mouth to me. So he's begun to see that the law of God are the very words that come out of the mouth of God. His very revelation is better to me than ten pennies. Is that what he says? Ten pennies? Ten cents? What about two dollars? Fifty dollars? A hundred dollars? A thousand dollars? Better to me than thousands of gold and silver pieces. Better than a pirate's treasure. What is the psalmist saying? He's saying, the words of your mouth, the law that what you have spoken to me and your statutes are so much more valuable than anything on the earth. That's what affliction has taught him. The value of the Word of God. The value of hearing the voice of God. I pray that that is the result of affliction in our life. That it makes us value the Word of God. So much so that we can come out of it saying, Oh, it was great. Oh, what advantage to affliction there is in my life. Not that we go out trying to get afflicted. If I find out you're trying to do that, we might have to have a talk. But, I mean, there are definitely people who purposely seek affliction. Right? That's kind of seen as a pious thing in in some uh, church cultures. But... In the Christian walk, we are persecuted because we follow Christ. But when that affliction of any kind comes, we can rest in the knowledge that God and His Word have all that we need. And it is more valuable than thousands of pieces of silver and gold. Do we see the advantage of affliction in our lives? Or do we run to comfort every time? Oh, if I go over here, then I'll be okay. If I, take care, if I do this, here, let me take that post off of Facebook because I don't want people talking about me like that. I pray that we come to the place where we can say that it was good that I was afflicted. Why? Because we began to see where our strength lies. Began to see that God's Word is the strength that we need. Just like those Navy SEALs, they see that they need to have strong character and strong will. As Christians, we need the Lord. We need His Word. We need Him completely. That's what affliction in the Christian life does. It makes us see that we need Him and His Word.
may we all pass the affliction that comes our way and come out thanking the Lord as the psalmist does. You have dealt well with your servant. Let's pray. Father, let us delight in you so much so that no matter what comes because we follow you, what affliction comes, how people speak of us, no matter what happens, Lord, that we would see the value of your word through the midst of those afflictions. Increase our faith, Lord. Increase our trust in your word, our trust in you. Lord, help us to value above all things you. Lord, help us to remember in the midst of affliction that you are good and you do good. Father, you have dealt well with me in my life and I ask, Lord, that I would not forget that and that we as your people would continue to remember your goodness to us, especially when affliction comes, Lord, because when we are pronouncing your goodness in the midst of affliction, Lord, you get the glory. Because it's not natural. God, who would you be if you could not be worshipped in affliction? Lord, guide us. Expose our selfishness, our pride, our covetousness, our jealousy. Help us, Lord, to turn to you and to be people of your word, I pray. Help us to follow you with all our hearts. We pray this morning in Jesus' name. Amen.